Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, in preparing to share my thoughts with you and, and, and hopefully bring something that the Lord can use in all of our lives to you, uh, I usually like to go through all of the passages for the week, but I'm going to confess that this week I really got stuck in Isaiah chapter 10. Um, it really hit me just even the opening, uh, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 10, uh, those words that the reading began with. Enter into the rock and hide in the dust from before the terror of the Lord. Now, uh, those words really struck a chord in me because ordinarily when, when we talk about uh, God's presence in our life, uh, these are not the images that we like to focus on. These are not the images uh, that are, are dominant, and I don't think they're the images that ought to be dominant. Uh, God is love, and, and, and we'll talk about that more in a moment, but uh, sometimes I think we're afraid of the tougher passages, at least maybe not you, but, but I am. And it is, uh, it is a cause for trembling and a cause to pause and contemplate when we hit these harder passages. This idea that the God who loves us and, and cares for us like a, a, a father for a child is still yet a terrible and terrifying God. He is of immense power and ability. He is of unrelenting judgment. He is un, of unwavering righteousness. And when we come to passages like this, and really it carries through all of the passages, but especially in Isaiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 10, it is a reminder of our own limitations and how great God is. And it's interesting to juxtapose that with the conversations that, that we're having as a society right now because it becomes readily apparent that so many of the things that are incredibly important to us may not matter that much at all to God. And I really was tempted as I, as I wrote early drafts of what I wanted to share today to sort of go into detail about that. But, but I don't think that's really for me to do. What I want to do instead is I want to talk about some principles we can draw uh, mostly from Isaiah chapter 2 and also from the gospel reading. Uh, and then I want to lead us into a time of, uh, of guided prayer uh, because this is really important, important stuff. And so where do we begin with passages like this? What is the message Isaiah is trying to get through to us in this prophetic word? And what really is Jesus trying to say to us also in the gospel passage? And, and so we begin with these principles. And the first of one is that God is sovereign. He is Lord. He is King. He is Master. Now we, we say that all the time without even thinking about it. But we have to consider the corollary. If God is sovereign, we are not. If the government and reign of God is the ultimate power, then the government and reign and intentions of human beings are not. And the will of God cannot be thwarted. 
Now, why am I saying all of that? I mean, this passage in Isaiah 2 isn't about power so much as it's about pride. And the Lord is going to bring down the haughty and the proud. And, and we like to say to ourselves, yeah, but that's not me. But let's dwell on that for a second. God is sovereign. His will is going to be done in the end. His son is going to come again. The world that we know will pass away. And as Revelation 21 and 22 tell us, the new heavens and a new earth will take its place. And that means if God's will is going to be done no matter what, that means that the crises that we obsess over ultimately will not matter in the long run. Now, some of us, and I'm one of them, get really into politics. But when I read this passage, it occurred to me, it doesn't matter who we put in the White House in November 2020 or in any other office from an eternal perspective. Whether it's four more years of a President Trump or four years of a President Biden, it doesn't matter. Those four years will come and go. They will not slow down the arrival of Jesus to his throne. It won't. Doesn't matter who we put in Congress, in the governor's mansion, on the school board. These elections are important to us in the small run, but in the big picture of things, God is sovereign, and what he has decreed is going to happen regardless of what we do. So these crises that we worry about, these things in the news that we harp on, I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned. I'm not saying we shouldn't care. I'm not saying we shouldn't vote. But to give us some perspective, in the eternal lens, they're not going to matter. It's interesting, too, that for the last couple of weeks, conversations about monuments and building names and which flags can fly where and when and can you burn a flag and can you take a flag to a sporting event and should you stand for the flag or can you kneel for the flag none of these flags and statues are going to be in the kingdom of Christ now again I'm not saying it's wrong for us to have an opinion on these things it's okay to have an opinion on these things but let's get some perspective None of it's going to matter in the long run. We are told in the scripture that there will be people from every tribe and tongue and nation who enter into the kingdom of heaven. But when we enter into that kingdom, we will cease belonging to those tribes and nations. We will be one people. We will be one culture. We will be unified under the reign of God. He is sovereign. And what seems like and feels like a crisis to us is not a crisis to God. And when we allow our thinking to become desperate in these crises, what we are saying is that we are more sovereign than he and our agenda is more important than he. And folks, we may not think of that as pride. We may think of that as concern. We may think of that as passion. But when we make an idol of these situations, it is most certainly pride. That was a tough pill for me to swallow this week as I wrestled with these words. What is a crisis to us is not a crisis to God because he is sovereign. 
Moreover, God is not attached to the work of our hands. He's not overwhelmingly impressed. We could paint that large on the big picture with all of those things, like whether or not a statue is going to remain for the next few years. It's not going to remain for eternity, though. But we could put that down into our daily lives. God is not impressed with our stuff, whether it's the treasures of a nation or the treasures of a private household. Lori and I are redoing the kitchen and we have agonized over details that aren't going to matter. Nobody's salvation hangs on which color of laminate flooring we put in our kitchen. God is not impressed if I buy a new Fender Stratocaster or if you go buy a new Callaway driver or if you get a shiny new leather seat, uh, uh, seat warmed BMW. God isn't impressed with our stuff. He's not impressed by our technology, with our ingenuity. He's not even attached to the physical beauty in this world in the long run. The world as we know it is here today, but it will be replaced by something else in the world yet to come. The mountains will be laid low and the valleys will be filled up so that there's a great plain where the way of the Lord can be made. None of this stuff lasts forever. And when we hold up our treasures and trinkets as if they are all that matters, we are like a small child throwing a tantrum when our parents drag us away from our sandcastle on the beach because we don't understand that try as we might, that tide will eventually take that sandcastle away. So God looks at all of our accomplishments and all of our handiwork, either as a great society or as individuals showing off our own wealth and prosperity. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong for us to have nice stuff necessarily. But in the end, God doesn't love us more because of it. And we don't earn points in front of God because we're clever or artful or resourceful. These are mere trappings that are only significant in a passing moment. They do not last forever. And the prophet Isaiah is calling us to stop and take stock of the things we treasure and love. And to ask ourselves, do we trust the sovereignty of God? Or will we cower when his day arrives? Because if we take all of these passages together, we find that all of the symbols and all of the trinkets go away except for the cross. Jesus tells us that we have to take up our cross and follow him. He tells us that we have to lay aside all of our other sources of identity, our patriotism, our philosophy, even as Jesus warns us, our human families. Friends, it is no coincidence, it is no mistake, it is no small thing that when we are baptized into the church of Christ, we are baptized by our first and middle name, but never our last. That even the bond of family goes away in the kingdom because it is laid aside for a greater, truer family. It's a moment in our lives 
when all of the conversations have been dialed up to 11, all of the voices are loud and shrill. There is panic, there is disease, there is political intrigue, there is fighting and controversy all over the place. And we are stirred to anger, we are stirred to judgment, and we are certainly stirred up to pride, even pride masked as concern. And yet I think today the Lord is telling us that in the midst of all this noise and chaos and fear and confusion, this is a moment to tremble and kneel before him and confess that this is just one of many passing moments that will give way to something eternal and beautiful. And that turning is fearful for those who trust in themselves but not in the Lord. But for those of us who will put our trust in the Lord, that turning will be beautiful and healing. It all comes down to who we believe is sovereign, God or us. So I would like to invite you all to pray with me as we honestly examine our hearts. And even after this prayer, after you watch this broadcast, I would encourage you to go back into this passage in Isaiah. Again, it's Isaiah 2, 10 through 17. You heard it read just a moment ago. I would encourage you to go back and to go through it verse by verse and be honest with yourself about the places in your life where you have allowed pride and haughtiness to come up those places where you have elevated your own sovereignty against the power of God, those places where you have begun to idolize material symbols without realizing that they are not going to go with us into the kingdom that comes. And this is a tough thing to do, but it's also necessary and it's also healing. Because while the bad news is we have to lay aside all those things we trust in, we have to give up all that self-importance and pride, what we get in exchange is knowing that the eternal God who is fearsome and powerful and will lay everything low is also going to create anew and grant us a home in his great work. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, we confess that in the midst of trying and chaotic times, we, like the Israelites around Mount Sinai, often turn to idols of our own making. We want to trust in things we can control, whether it's political movements, whether it's generating wealth, whether it's belonging to great and massive industries or whether it's just gathering up trinkets and treasures in our own homes, that when everything around us is uncertain, we want to find certainty in things that are not going to last. And we confess, God, that this is pride and, yes, this is idolatry and we are guilty and we implore your forgiveness. We pray that we would cast our eyes upon you and trust in your graciousness and your rule and your power. That we would look beyond this crisis and this moment into the promises of eternity. That we would say yes to your lordship and realize it would be futile to say no. 
So God, I pray as we pause for this moment, you would bring to mind those things that we need to take our trust out of so that we might put our trust in you. And Lord, as we lay these things at your feet, I, I pray too that you will inspire in us a zeal and a compassion and a drive to speak about the kingdom that is coming, not with fear, but with hope in our voices, inviting others to become disciples of your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, so that they too can lay down their burdensome treasure and embrace your free gift of love, that they too will find in the coming day of the Lord not fear, but joy. Make us mindful, Lord, that the way we treat others is far more important than whether or not we win in whatever contest we face, whether we get our side through the election, whether our company seals a deal, whether we weather the, the storm, whether we avoid the disease, what really matters is our dedication to you and our willingness to love others in your name. So Lord, I pray that you will reorientate our hearts, that you will teach us to pray for those we view as opponents, that you will teach us to handle times like this with joy and with compassion. And Lord, above all else, I ask that you give us a vision of where you are leading us and what is yet to come so that we will not fix our eyes on that which causes us to be proud or fearful, but that in humility we will embrace the beauty of your power and your love. This I ask in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has taken our burdens and offered us adoption through his blood. And we know that he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.